The Growing Destinations podcast is brought to you by Experience Rochester. Learn more about Minnesota's third largest city, which is home to Mayo Clinic and features wonderful recreational and entertainment opportunities by visiting experiencerochestermn.com. I think it's going to be a really different summer. Yep, gas prices are funny and they're probably growing, but we're an easy drive and we're an hour and a half from pretty much anywhere in the state, it seems like. I would just suggest to anybody who's getting into the event world, if you're a small team, to really look to what you can do to seeking out outside event producers to really help you lift that off the ground because you'll burn yourself out so quickly. Welcome to the Growing Destinations podcast, where we take a deep dive into destination development and focus on a wide range of topics from tourism and entertainment to economic development and entrepreneurism and much more. I'm your host, Bill Von Bank. The summer travel season is heating up. Revenues at hospitality businesses are the strongest they've been in more than two years. Today, I'm joined by two Minnesota tourism professionals who offer unique perspectives on growing the tourism economy. Linda Jurek is executive director of Visit Cook County in northeastern Minnesota. Chris Vonberg is executive director of Visit Little Falls in central Minnesota. Both tourism regions are rich with amenities for the traveler. More opportunities are emerging to drive visitation through events and community collaboration. Chris Vonberg, Linda Jurek, welcome to the Growing Destinations podcast. Today from St. Cloud, Minnesota, at the Minnesota Association of Convention and Visitors Bureau's annual education summit and in front of a live audience. Very excited for both of you, Linda. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the destination you represent. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I represent Northeastern Minnesota, the County of Cook, and the organization of Visit Cook County, which is a destination marketing organization that's been in place for 10 years now. Chris, how about you? I, too, am excited to be in tourism, and I represent just a little north of St. Cloud. We have Little Falls, Minnesota on the river, and I am the executive director, staff of two, been in the position for 10 years, and I really like that the little town on the river has so many attractions, pretty easy to talk about. Well, welcome to both of you again, and we're going to dive deep into tourism. We're coming off of a two-year stint of, of not having much of it, or, or just differently in some cases, But I just want to read to you a little bit from an article that I read recently about the 2022 outlook and get your feedback. This is from the Star Tribune. Minnesota tourism officials are declaring business as usual for the summer of 2022. Do you agree, Linda? Boy, that's a loaded question. Yes, I agree. But compared to last year, which we had crazy business, it's a little bit down. Seriously. So let's take a look because... Even during the pandemic, people needed to get out. And your destination along the North Shore was a hotbed for tourism, even during the pandemic. Is that correct? Definitely correct. We had two of our biggest years in my tenure with Visit Cook County in 2020 and 2021. And we're down a little bit from that. Will you see an uptick, do you think? No. I, I don't think so this summer. I think there's lots of factors that's gonna, that are going to weigh into that, including gas prices. I don't think we'll get back to uh, last summer's numbers. Chris, how about you? Do you Are you expecting uh, a decent year in uh, Little Falls? Actually, I am. So I just reviewed at the city level all of the dollars that come in from the restaurants and the lodging facilities. 
This is the most since 1999 when we started at the Visitors Bureau that the dollars are up. So Little Falls has limited lodging and limited restaurants. However, they are full in capacity. We have events in the community they're coming to. Camp Ripley is in close proximity. So I think it's going to be a really different summer. Yep, gas prices are funny and they're probably growing, but we're an easy drive. And we're an hour and a half from pretty much anywhere in the state, it seems like. There's some new data out from Explore Minnesota, the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis, as well as Hospitality Minnesota. They have some information out that says revenue projections for bars, restaurants, hotels, resorts, and campgrounds heading into the summer months are the strongest they've been in more than two years. So you're kind of reinforcing that in Little Falls. Yes, sir. Events are such a big part of the summer travel experience. How important are events for your destinations? Linda? We are that unusual organization has that special 1% lodging tax that really supports events and programming. That said, part of our very strict mission is to really support a 12-month tourism economy. So we really try to stay away from events in July and August just because we have so many people without the events. We Brought back events last summer, especially our outdoor events, Lutzen 99 or Le Grand du Nord biking events. And those events are destined to happen. Uh, you know, we've had a pretty big water event, so that's playing into the mix. But events play a big part, but we're really working on focusing on creating events for November and April more than anything. Chris, how about you in Little Falls? We did not have the outdoor events like you had up in Cook County. And so in the last two years, we decided to create some events and we are going through some leadership changes as because of staff shortages. So new executive directors in Little Falls at some of the attractions, we invite them to play together. There's seven attractions and we have started putting outdoor events on our calendar. And so we have summer events, we have fall events, and we're working on holiday lights. Do I want to look like Bentleyville? Yup, I do. <laughs> Bentleyville and Duluth. Right. And I, it could be in January and February during our shoulder season. So we're working on a new way to get the community excited to what is it we can do on Friday nights down right next to the river where all the lights are and just make it something. So every year it seems like our outdoor events have grown and different people participate to include the residents, which is kind of a key for Little Falls. If what I've read about the attendance at the Edina Art Fair just this past weekend, two days in Edina, 300,000 attendees, I think events are headed for some good times this summer. Summers are short in Minnesota, so the summer activities are great. I know Shakopee, for example, has a great music festival downtown, Rhythm on the Rails, Rochester, three months of Thursdays downtown, 15 to 20,000 people. Across the state, things are looking strong on events. Are there new twists on events that, that both your communities are doing? We've been encouraged to build out our November and April shoulder seasons, if you will. And also, because we're a smaller team, really seeking out that external event production source. So for instance, we just had a music enterprise startup in Lutzen called Lutz Song. And we're, we met with them just as recently as yesterday morning about producing a three-weekend music event in November, kind of building up to something bigger, bigger for us, like a deer tick kind of thing, which is a music group. I would just suggest to anybody who's getting into the event world, if you're a small team, to really look to what you can do to seeking out outside event producers to really help you lift that off the ground because you'll burn yourself out so quickly that it's, that would be insane. Chris? 
And I feel like what you said in small town USA, Little Falls, I feel like partnering with the different executive directors or the nonprofit organizations who can take that event. Example, we have a park to park bike ride, which do I think grandma's marathon is cool? Yes, I do. I would love to see Park to Park make it its second year, third year, 10 years. But I found the groups. And so what I've been doing is inviting them in the conversation and saying, what could it do for your organization? What could it do for Friends of Lindbergh Heritage? We all know we have Charles Lindbergh. There is a nonprofit group. And I said, hey, this bike trail could potentially go right through Lindbergh State Park. Would you like to start it before the trail is in place? Because it's a 20-year process. And get this bike ride going. Because I said, Grandma's Marathon started with a small foot race. And some of you remember when we got that during an Explore Minnesota conference. And I'm like, hmm, on the river. And people came. We had our first event. 70 people showed up. And I barely advertised it. So this year, we're trying to market it a little bit different. But I found that group that wants ownership. And then I still partner with them for the marketing piece. But I let them work the logistics. That's Smart a, collaboration. That's exactly it. We do the same thing with like our historical societies, our locals. We have like 13 different stops. So rather than being the creator of their event, we created with them and helped fund a passport to the past. So it's a little passport that you take around to every historical stop throughout our county, get a little stamp, something that the school can use. So I think as much as you can reach out and have other people help coordinate for you, we can be a funding source and a marketing source but we can't be the logistical force on the ground. And that collaboration at the starting point just creates a, a synergy and a long-term relationship, I would imagine. Correct. Go in with that mindset. Tell us more about your funding model because of you do have a dedicated source for events in Cook County, correct? Yes. First of all, being of an area that is about 90% dependent on tourism, it makes us a little bit of an anomaly. We don't have other industries. Um, so put that into play. We do collect the traditional 3% lodging tax, but we also have an additional 1%, which is destined. It was set up to be to support a cook, uh, an events and visitors bureau. But in that, we keep the event and programming pocket, and that's 1%. And it's not small. You know, we because of our tourism economy, we just got done budgeting out $600,000 to support wow. events in our little corner of the world. So it's a lot. And, you know, it, it, it pushes the fringes. You know, we get questions about trail maintenance, which, you know, if you look at true use of lodging tax, that's a big right. no-no. We know that in the world. So it's a tender walk. That's that political side of it. So, yeah, I'm at the legislature right now trying to get that renewed. And uh, hopefully that's going to happen. Hopefully they'll they'll pull a special session and it, it will get renewed. It was in place for 15 years and we're looking to renew it for another 15. Good luck. Thank you. Chris, on your website, right on the homepage is this phrase, a true Mississippi river town. Tell us what that means for Little Falls. We chose a true Mississippi river town because we are on the Mississippi and we are getting so many travelers that are going from Itasca to the Gulf of Mexico. And so instead of just going with a new flow, I thought about it for a few years and I said, you know what? We are getting people from France. We're getting people from Canada. And I say, how did they find Little Falls? They're using that dang river, the Mississippi River. <laughs> it's big. It is kind of a big deal. And so I thought, let's just use the river. We did a tourism survey for the community, and they said, we want to use the river. We want to use the river. So that is how we capitalized on our website. And we have a new logo, Visit Little Falls, and we're following suit like other organizations are doing. So those of you who are out there in your tourism folks, good lead, easy to find. And 
I just want to keep using the river. And it's strange because we don't have a, oh, an access, if you would, that is super easy to get to. Yes, we have paddle boarding and we have canoes and kayaks and bicycles, but how do I get to the river is very difficult for tourists. So having things along the edge of the river seems to be an easier get to a great success rate versus how do I build what St. Cloud has next to a river? Too much, too fast. So we're going to go a little slower and we're going to take what we have. And we've nailed a few events. And so the community loves it and they bring guests and people. And I thought, what is around Little Falls that people could drive to? It's the outdoor music and markets. So we call it Markets and Music on the Mississippi. And it's our second year doing that as well. So we have live music, community stuff. Farmers Markets was the key. They were my markets. And then people started asking, can we come too? And I thought, yes, yes, you can come too. What do you sell? We sell baby stuff. We sell books. I'm like, what a fantastic idea. So I partnered with Great River Arts. So they will continuously um, fund the music and go ahead and share that with their website followers because they too have a big following on their website. Has the impact of the pandemic forced any changes to events or brought about new opportunities? Linda? Of course. There were so many events and there were so many... We don't have an event center, which was okay. We brought back really quite rapidly our outdoor events. I would say now we're looking a little bit differently with the success of tourism in um, northeastern Minnesota and the additional funding sources, it's allowed us, to, like I just said, to really focus and, and bring in some external event organizers. That would be a very significant change for us. We also are becoming more deliberate and branding the funding source so that we are, are educating our community as we move along to just say, hey, you know, you need to really recognize Visit Cook County as your funding source. I would say that those are the biggest changes just because we know, and, and that coupled on top of the fact that we're looking at the renewal of that 1%, we really want to make people understand that this is a really special funding support that they get and that it could go away. So more importantly, the other thing I wanted to say too, is that we have some really strong not-for-profits and for those of you that have visited us before, think of North House Folk School or the Grand Marie Art Colony and we fund their events. But what we've asked of them, and this is a key, if they have programming throughout the year to make sure that we're not just siloing our funding into one event that happens in July or August, it really has to be that you brand our funding support to all of your major events throughout the year so that's important. You know, you go there. I agree. And it's really about continuously seeing that name, whatever, visit Cook County, visit mm-hmm. Little Falls. And because we also have a sunset clause on our restaurant and lodging tax, and we have a new logo, I decided exactly what you said, get that out there all year long, show the community what we have, because those are the ones who vote to keep it. Mm-hmm. We do things for the tourists, but Deep down, we have to do things for the community and we need their buy-in for everything we do. Chris, in addition to the mighty Mississippi, you're also home to the aviation pioneer, Charles Lindbergh, who grew up in Little Falls. Tell us more about his legacy and what the draw is to your community. Charles Lindbergh, he was there for a short period of time. He was not born in our, our great little city. He was born in Michigan, Moved back when he was one. So one to 18. That's it. Then he moved. (laughs) So he has a house there. And that is the second house. People love it. They're part of the Minnesota Historical Society. So some of their funding is not directly attached to the center in Little Falls. They have to take direction from MNHS. 
And because of that, they may have limited hours and I do struggle with that. So we work together collaboratively with an attractions committee and we all sell each other the airport, the golf course, every single business has panels that have all of the attractions on them in a sandwich sign format. They have brochures, we have bicycles, they have our logo on everything. Visit Little Falls is on everything. But a few years ago, before I started, 10 years ago, they were going to close MNHS Lindbergh. And that was the biggest deal for Little Falls that's an easy get to. So do we know we have a Minnesota Fishing Museum and Hall of Fame? Not all the time, but do we know we have Charles Lindbergh House and Museum? People do. And so the state park is right next to it. Huge, huge key because people state park jump and go check out all the state parks. So I think that's a bonus. MNHS is a bonus. And when they start cutting funding for those type of things, I'm all about that and doing the red letter campaigns and making sure that the Charles Lindbergh isn't shut down from the state level. But they are a great agency and they have good tracking for zip codes. We know who who comes to those organizations. And if they overflow to the other organizations that are in our town, the Arts Center, the Fishing, Camp Ripley is right up the road. There's quite a few. So I think that's the key to get them to town. Linda, I want to ask you about how important the Canadian market is to your destination. And specifically, did you really dress up as a moose <laughs> when the Canadian border opened last fall? I certainly did. That that moose is Murray the Moose. <laughs> and it's really, really fun because nobody knows I'm in there. So, you know, it's like free range to do whatever I want, crazy and fun. Yes. The closure of the Canadian border for all of us that are along the border really affected us greatly. But more importantly, it affected our partners up at Grand Portage. They have a pretty strong workforce that travels across the border. And that was really felt. That said, what happened was the state park up at Grand Portage was like in the National Monument. They had like record-breaking numbers. But because the enterprise, which is what we call Grand Portage Lodge and Casino, was unable to operate, they didn't have staff, and just COVID restrictions made it very, very difficult for them, including staff. We really wanted to focus that welcome back message on the Canadians. And that was like the first little kick of the door open at the Canadian border. It ebbed and flowed and there was all kinds of restrictions. And what we did during COVID was really turn our efforts inward back into our county to help really communicate the needs of our community members, testing, what what we expected of our visitors, creating that sustainable, that sustainable model of coming to visit us. So same thing with the Canadian border closure. We really stayed on top of what the rules were so we could tell not only our community members, but every visitor what to expect when they came to Cook County. Fast forward to today, how is business specifically from the Canadian market? It's a really hard number because we're a pass-through market as well. We have a lot of Canadians that come from Thunder Bay and drive straight through Grand Marais to get to Duluth or to the Metro. So that's a hard number. Our best gauge is really just chatting with our dining and retail properties about, you know, what are you seeing in the stores? Because they do stop and shop. They don't necessarily stop and stay. Our partners in Grand Portage are seeing an uptick of their Canadian uh, visitors back again, not anywhere to the levels that they need to be at. I want to take a step back uh, during the pandemic and more more from the standpoint of survival and, and, and communication. And during the pandemic, how did you stay connected to the public, both your residents, visitors and potential visitors? Did you did you have some communication efforts just to say we're still here and when you're ready for fun and ready to come back, we're going to be here? What types of activities did you do? 
We partnered with the chamber in Little Falls who stayed open and they continuously shared restaurant outdoor seating if there was events. But in our small town, I'm going to tell you, those events were few and far between. It was the summer that people stayed home with their families. They didn't go to the sports with the kids. They didn't eat out at restaurants during that full closure that the governor put in place. That was very difficult for all of our little, we're a town of 8,000 And so that meant everyone was closed and they had to be creative. Like you can eat in a dome tent at the coffee shop, but you will not have any friends with you. You can eat on a patio, but you can't sit by anyone. And our space is so little. How do you advertise that? How do you say, come to our town so you can sit alone? Right. I thought that was strange. So I took a furlough along with the gal that works with me and she's a marketing manager and we saved our, our dollars. We saved them because we knew restaurant and lodging dollars would be very low. So we just used what we had and we made it through six months and it was the strongest comeback we had in August and September. We both came back in tears, but we used what we had before the pandemic and it was a success. Linda? Wow. I remember driving home from Texas and knowing that the state was shutting down and I got back to Grand Marais and the first call I got was from some of our community leaders. We came together on that. I like literally pulled into town on a Wednesday and that was when we were all shutting down and it was a conscious effort that the whole county was going to shut down except for a couple hotels. I think the strength in what we did at Cook County was that we had government, both city and county, Healthcare, our clinic, our hospital, business leaders, chamber of commerce, small business development, economic development, and the face of tourism all at the table. We met every other day for about two weeks, and then we moved into a weekly meeting. As far as Visit Cook County went, we I never was off. Uh, three of the six member staff was furloughed. They came back relatively quickly, and we went back to a hybrid working model pretty quickly. You know, like we keep one person could come to the office. And we've stayed that way. And then the communication efforts, we got to task right away with writing a best practices manual. And we even had that prepared before um, Hospitality Minnesota or the Department of Health had one. So we were sharing that information right from the get-go. We started really focusing on the community. Um, We adopted our QR codes for scanning for what dining and retail shopping experiences would look like. We got all of our retail folks together, they adopted the same practices. And with that, we we were able to not confuse our guests. You know, you're going to feel the same thing at this store as that store. So that was really good. Um, and then we did our One Moose Park campaign, which went gangbusters and happy to say it was just um, accepted into the Smithsonian this last week. Congratulations. As a full-time exhibit. So that's pretty wow. cool. That's awesome. Yeah. One Moose Park. Yep. Give us a, a quick little intro to that campaign. Well, many of you know, uh, Tristy Vick, our director of PR and marketing, absolutely love her. She would be here, but we're kind of crushed right now. Busy. Um, She came up with that and we just did the, she said, we got it. We have to think of a measurement that's fun. You know, it's all this six feet apart stuff and put your mask on. So we actually did the, the imagery of a moose that's six feet, stay that far apart. And then we actually, um, we, you know, we bought face masks. Uh, we bought buffs that were logoed with Visico County, gave those free to everybody that visited us that came into um, any kind of indoor environment without a face covering, gave that to them free and just explained, this is our expectation in our community. We also created Marie the Moose kid masks. That's also in the Smithsonian. And we provided those to our school students. So we were constantly making sure that our community knew that we were protecting them as well. That's great. Yeah. It's fun. What have you learned about yourselves 
as a result of the pandemic, either personally or professionally or both. Chris? I did value the time that I had away from the office, and it gave me an opportunity to say, what could we do differently? And the working from our homes, we surely could with a staff of two. We market, we advertise, we talk to people, we're in the community. Do I need a building? I don't need a building. However, we are in a historic building for our town. We pay little to no rent, and it is a free opportunity to have a tour from a 1903 house. But really, what is my job? That's when I picked up the events and started thinking, how could we do this differently? Who in this town wants to do events? We have no one. So between the chamber, between the Visitors Bureau, the city, and a couple other organizations, I started thinking, how is it I can partner this community so we can do things differently without being overwhelmed, without being inundated with every task? So I took my little army stuff and I said, okay, I'm going to task out to different organizations and make them partner. And I think they love it because they've expanded their networking too. So I feel like that was a big ad after COVID. Linda, how about you? What have you learned about yourself? You know, I came from a chamber background and I was, number one, I'm an entrepreneur. I've owned numbers of businesses in my life. And I also came from a very healthcare environment. So, you know, punch the time clock, leave at five, that sort of thing. Same thing with the Duluth Area Chamber of Commerce. When we rolled on into the pandemic, I really realized that it's okay to work remotely. And I was doing that myself six weeks a year. I was approved to do that by my board to work out of state which was awesome. And I really realized that I can lead from afar, but I think the biggest challenge in that, and I say challenge in a, almost a light way, it was a good challenge, is that you have to learn to be very clear in your communication. If you're doing it in a Zoom room, I learned a lot about Zooming, that's for sure. <laughs> I think that learning that clear communication and also knowing right now as, a, as an older leader that I'm never going to go back to that eight to five working environment. I don't, I don't encourage that. I think that I really learned a lot about a healthy work-life balance. I can tend to be a little bit of a workaholic. So it was really good for me to be able to understand that I can work from home. I can get a lot of work done. I could still throw a load of laundry in and pet my dog and, you know, whatever. So more about work-life balance not coming back to the eight to five workforce. Thank you both for that. This has been an awesome conversation. Chris Von Berg, Linda Jurek, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate your time. Have a great and profitable summer in your destinations. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Growing Destinations podcast. And don't forget to subscribe. This podcast is brought to you by Experience Rochester, Find out more about Rochester, Minnesota and its growing arts and culture scene, its international culinary flavors, and award-winning craft beer by visiting experiencerochestermn.com.